The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. The Colony Meadery, the official gluten free booze made from honey of the process. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, Finally, some sort of resolution to the uh, the very controversial JJ Reddick situation. The 72-hour period has lapsed. Uh, we will we will fill you in there. Andrew Unterberger makes his actual return to the pod. It's been a while. He was on the Zoomathon, but has not been on the pod in a while. To uh, preview his imaginary playoff series, imaginary or not, between the Sixers and the Heat. Um, we'll talk about our Ricky uh, Record Club album of the week. And a part of your own Weitzman's book that none of us noticed uh, regarding Jimmy Butler, or we didn't discuss rather, discuss, uh, regarding Jimmy Butler and Brian Colangelo, that comes up in the mailbag. Um, before we get started, um, it wouldn't be a week if I wasn't raising money for some animal shelter with something. The, uh, the Brandywine SPCA uh, next weekend would have been their annual 5K and walk called the Walk for Pause. They obviously can't do it, um, but they are still doing it virtually. So I'm still going to run the 5K that day, uh, and I have a uh, I have a page raising money. Would love to get them to their goal. I think they're at 91 percent of their goal. Um, we have one more week to do it. And a reminder: I always say this: you're not just saving pets, but everyone who um, works for an animal shelter, any nonprofit you support, you're basically supporting a small business whose job it is specifically to do good. Um, so I'm at a thousand dollars raised. I'd like to get to two. So, uh, if you just go to, there'll be a link in this post on rightstreakysanchez.com. And they're the, one of the only animal shelters in the area still, um, doing fostering and adoptions. So still getting animals to people. So, um, thank you for that. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who I was reminded is not telling me that he loves me at the end of the podcasts as uh, he was instructed to. That is Mike Levin. Oh, is that every time? Well, I thought it was like some sort of, um, it doesn't have to be I love you. It could be some sort of uh, other, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like overly, um, overly personal, uh, you know, a farewell, I guess, at the end of the pods. I thought that was supposed to be for every pod, okay. at least during during this time. Okay. During this time. Um, hmm. Uh, you want to start with Reddick? Come uh, on, we have to. <laughs> okay. I've been saving up. All right, let me explain. Let me do this right. one. Yes, yes, yes. I would love for you to. Okay, so Spike and JJ had a minor beef on Twitter. 
mm-hmm. I would say prior to last podcast, mm-hmm. where you retweeted a guy who said that JJ couldn't dunk and was one of the mm-hmm. biggest bust draft busts ever, which is <laughs> patently false, but I will allow that it is a funny thing to say and then retweet. <laughs> JJ saw your retweet, commented, replied to you, and said something along the lines of you, you're a clown, you're still here, whatever. They said, uh, you're still hating, uh, LOL, love it, or something like that. And then, yeah, you guys go back and forth a little bit. I would mm-hmm. say you are um, descriptive, like honest about your opinion, um, but not harsh in how you feel about him. Yeah. Uh, you mean in, you mean in the exchange? Yeah, exchange. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yes. And there were... Then there was some time about trying to get him on the podcast. Um, I sent a tweet about it, which I am generally loath to do, but I, I went for it because I, I think it'd be a great guest to talk to JJ and finally ask mm-hmm. the questions about Tommy that I uh, demand to know. <laughs> um, and on the last podcast, you announced a 72-hour window for yes. JJ to come on the podcast or agree to come on the podcast officially commit to it to a to a day and time yeah you know i yeah okay otherwise he'd be banned correct so, so if he didn't come on the podcast he would not be allowed on the podcast right. essentially was the <laughs> so which is perfect which is, which, <laughs> yeah. which is what you want um yep and that's a just punishment for, for such a uh, horrific crime um mm-hmm. and so we reach out to him again. He said nobody ever reached out to me. His DMs are closed. It's a crazy time. Uh, you could probably finagle enough people to like get his information if you wanted, but we were doing this publicly. Um, and and could, could I just mention, like, um, yeah, I, I could have if I did that, but I think I was very clear like three times when I responded to him at different times, like just... DM like he sees every tweet. I think we can be clear on that one. He doesn't have 16 million followers. Like he sees all of the tweets. Um, I think both you and I said, I specifically said either DM me or the show account, or here's my email address. Like I'm happy to set it up. So it uh, was, yeah. there was a way Offers for him were to, made. and I followed him. Yes. Sure. And he, mm-hmm. he got a little less responsive and mm-hmm. that's fine. People, uh, provide Ricky listeners provided a Legends of the Hidden Temple esque clock for him mm-hmm. as a as some sort of threat, which I'm sure he took <laughs> took very well. Um, and then and then it comes out that he that JJ appeared on another Sixers podcast with mm-hmm. uh, Rich Hoffman and Derek Bodner mm-hmm. uh, of the Athletic, and you sent it to me. Mm-hmm. I, and you didn't notice what I was sending because no, I sent an I episode, but in in the preview window on iMessage, it doesn't say the episode. It right. just says, right. So I didn't and you notice. go, you want me to listen to yeah, this question, like, question mark, question um, yeah. Which, we haven't spoken about this yet. No. I think it's a fantastic bit. I think I, I respect JJ going on their podcast instead of ours so much. I respect, I would assume... Derek was the one who reached out and tried to make it happen, knowing how much it would troll us. And I think it was fantastic. A tremendous job. Everybody involved. And I know your opinion is different because you then went into savage mode and tweeted some very 
vicious things about JJ. To no, which JJ all once true. again responded and called you yeah. a clown. And uh, I think that, you know, we'll talk about it, but I think that if the roles are reversed uh, and they wanted they were trying to get somebody on their pot, you know, whatever. I think you would appreciate the the art of this of this bit and how much it trolled everybody and you specifically. And as a as a guy who's just kind of uh, along for the ride, uh, I gotta respect it. I have to. I'll I'll offer a few opinions. First of all, it was definitely Derek that reached out, so I give Derek credit. Um, <laughs> I would like to say that everything I said publicly about JJ after the podcast came out is absolutely 0% different than I've ever said anything about JJ on this podcast ever before. Um, my, you you turned I, it up to 11, for sure. I, yeah, but, but if he's going to turn it up to 11, I'll turn it up to 11. Wait, like, what's him you know? turning it up to 11? Well, going on the other podcast. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Um, but Going but, on another podcast, doing another Wait, interview. no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First, a, a couple of things. Um, I never invited him on this podcast. A Ricky listener did. I said he was always welcome. Uh, I, I don't want to like show private DMs or text messages to anyone, but I will say that I said several times, I don't fucking like the guy and I don't care or want him on the podcast. If I did, um, like I certainly could have handled this in a different way than I did. I think this works out swimmingly for everyone. Um, like I... I think he sucks. Like I think he is the the uh, like the internet ideal of everything that a douchebag looks like. Like if he if he's doing podcasts with Ryan Rossillo um, about restaurants and working out and stuff, like it's it's almost comic in its caricature of what somebody like he is. So I like I I I've said numerous times I don't think. I don't ever consider him uh, a Sixers player. I said it while he was here that he was one of my least favorite Sixers of all time. I still say that. Um, people say that he had career years when he was here, which is fine, but he got paid still more than he was worth. It, like He got paid $36 million in two years to play here, which is still more than his market value. And, uh, and here's... The last thing I will say, aside from the fact that he saw a person in a cage in a car in New York and didn't do anything about it and then got caught being a racist on on camera um, and still got away with it. Um, I think the final thing I would say to him is he made $36 million here in Philadelphia. And if you Google the words J.J. Reddick donates, J.J. Reddick uh, charity, or J.J. Reddick volunteers with Philadelphia there are zero results. There are no results of J.J. Reddick doing one thing in the community while he was here in Philadelphia. That's why I don't consider him a sixer. He took money, he shot well, and he left. It's fine. I'm glad. But I'm mostly glad that J.J. Reddick has clearly paid attention to almost everything we've said about him over the last several years and harbors resentment for it. Um, and I guess that's my final statement. I agree with you that it was a funny bit. I give Derek credit as I don't believe that J.J. said it. Um, and I do believe that J.J. was trying to avoid coming on because he did not want to be asked about Tommy or the person in a cage or anything like that. Um, so I don't think he was ever going to come on. So that's my that's my final uh, my final statement on it. Did you listen to the uh, Derek and Rich's podcast? No, the only time I've ever listened to a JJ Reddick podcast 
Um, one when he had TJ on, when he said the name of our podcast. Uh, I think when he had Joel on, he had Joel on, right? Um, I uh, I listened to the one with Joel, and I believe those are the only times that I've listened to him. So I didn't listen to it. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Mostly because there was no way I would enjoy it any more than just knowing that it existed. It was a perfect. Just releasing it into the wild was great. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit. Bef- uh, I, we we don't have to talk about JJ Reddick's career as a sixer. That doesn't that doesn't do anything for no. us. No, no. Um, okay. So I texted you something yesterday. Uh, oh yeah. A, oh my god. A, a tweet by Bill Simmons. Yeah. Uh, do you want to summarize the tweet? Sure. So Bill Simmons, whose company was bought by Spotify, which is a, um, a competitor to Apple, at least in terms of the content uh, distribution world, um, for s- how many million dollars? Um, I think it was 15. No. No, more. no, no, no. Way more than $15 million, I think. Was it? No, I, uh, and I think it, I might be mixing my numbers up. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're thinking of... Yeah, you're thinking about the amount he spent on a house in California. A lot of, a lot of millions happening in million. that yeah. and, and the same Bill Simmons, before I described the tweet, who um, was so angry that his uh, employees organized uh, as a labor force, unfollowed all of them on Twitter, and didn't give them any of the free video games that came for them to play. The same Bill Simmons. So he tweeted out the new and noteworthy section, I think, of the Apple podcast section. And noted that their new podcast, which is about The Wire, right, with Jamel Hill, did not appear in any of the top 72 spots in the new and noteworthy. And then said something to the effect of, I guess that's how it's going to be, Apple, right? Um, So noting that because he is partners with a competitor, they are not being listed in the new and noteworthy section of Apple Podcasts, where we all go to find out what to listen to. (laughs) So... Not, not uh, obviously the specifics are different, and obviously yep. there's contexts that are different. I want you to explain why your tweet about JJ Reddick and Bill's tweet about his podcast not being in the top top seventy two are different. Oh, I already explained why they're different. Of but the idea different. isn't it the spirit of it, at least somewhat similar. The idea that. No. Bill is talking I've about, said, hey, this podcast that I that I do that he's that it's not being recognized by this person, and you, JJ no, no, goes no. on a different podcast because he's not recognizing your podcast. I'm just I said, I'm, I'm allowing you the platform to explain the differences. It's first of all, I'm not the one that sent out two separate very thirsty tweets uh, to get JJ Reddick on the podcast or changed my stance on what kind of player he was in an attempt to get him on the podcast. <laughs> That's not me. The second thing is, the second thing is, uh, I, my, my, it's not like the big difference here would have been if Bill was consistently for years complaining about Apple Podcasts and then they, they took this move of not including him, then if he said it. But I have for years said the exact same thing about J.J. Reddick. That's what I didn't understand about um, some of the reaction was like, I've, I've said this all the time. I've said everything. I've said I didn't like him. When he came back uh, to play with the Pelicans, I said the proper response to him is to neither cheer nor boo because he was never a player here anyway. Um, so I think, it, I, I think it's completely different, actually. Um, 
than complaining about not being included in the top 72 uh, as you just got $200 million for your company uh, when, when 20 million people like uh, filed for unemployment the last three weeks. So I think it's completely different, okay. actually. I think the spirits are different. I understand the comparison, but I think they're complete. I think they are totally different. There, there you go. Um, JJ Reddick is the best ball handler I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've, I've always been mixed on JJ. I think uh, the defense was always frustrating to me. The loose ball thing was always very uh, frustrating to me. I, I the do big think shot thing. The that big was shot never as much awesome. of a. I, I, I'm not a clutch guy. You know. So that that mm-hmm. that wasn't the, it was really the loose balls thing that was killing me because I, I mm-hmm. I've never seen a guy not go for as many loose balls, um, but uh, as somebody a, who is socially conscious would note that leaving somebody in the cage of a car <laughs> and being I, caught, I, that was the I really just want to know more about it and, what happened and being caught. Well, uh, two things. Uh, first of all, leaving the person in the cage of the car and then putting Mo, poor Mobamba. Poor Mobamba, man. Yeah. That's the, that's the real crime here, is telling the story to Mobamba as if it was a big joke. And Mobamba's just right. waiting for the punchline, just sitting there. Any minute now, it's going to get funny. Yeah, and then, and then, uh, and then the, you know, I, I, for old time's sake this week, I went and watched the Chinese New Year video. And he did not misspeak. That's all I want to say after watching the Chinese New Year video. I don't know video. about he, that. I think he did I, not. I, that's a, just watch it again. Do me a favor. Just watch it again. The idea that I'll he would you. say that on purpose in like a promotional video is insane. I, I hear the idea that he just got tongue tied and whatever. I'm not. Mm, I, I just watch it. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just asking you to watch it. Obviously not a all. great thing if he did it intentionally. But Yeah. No, no, no. The uh, Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by the Colony Meadery. Mike. People are drinking up a storm because they're sitting at home all day long. They better be. Yeah, they better be. Um, uh, Colony Meadery has been open throughout this whole thing. So mead, as we've said a bazillion times, gluten-free alcohol made from honey, two kinds, the session meads, which are the ones in cans and carbonated, and then there's the regular meads, which are in the the glass bottles, Uh, higher alcohol, not really carbonated. Which do you have a, a preference? The session ones or the regular ones? I it really depends on the mood. Hmm. Mix it up. I like I'm a, never. I, I like a session. Yeah. I think I prefer. Uh, if I'm gonna have one, then mm-hmm. I'll say like, get, let's let's take a swing. If I'm gonna have like a couple, then I'll definitely opt for the less sweet ones. So I'm a session guy because, as I've said many times before, I believe all alcoholic beverages, well, at least the carbonated ones, taste better in cold cans than any other thing. Better than a glass, better than a frosty mug, better than a bottle. I'm a, I'm a fan of the cold cans. So a couple of things about Colony Meadery. Uh, you can still get it at Wegmans. Um, you can still order it at colonymeadery.com. But a couple of other things. They are now, uh, they have a, a delivery partner. So um, they are delivered, I think, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you have to order Monday and Wednesday. Just go to their Facebook is actually the best thing, the Colony Meadery on Facebook. And uh, they also have curbside pickup at their, uh, at their location in Allentown there. Once again, you just order. I think you can call the Meadery on the day of curbside pickup or just order online for, uh, for pickup. So they're, they're making sure that while you are sheltered in place and at home, you are you have plenty of gluten free alcohol um, that is uh, that is keeping you uh, 
keeping you just uh, far enough away from reality that you stay sane, which is what I've used alcohol for this entire time. Um, all different flavors of Colony Meat. I suggest going to colonymeatery.com, looking at everything there, uh, trying a couple of them. You know, if you haven't had mead before, I'd try a couple of them before you, uh, before you go all in on anything. And they still do have some of the rescue mead, which is the, um, the mead with the dogs and cats on the cans, longtime residents of the Providence Animal Center and the uh, Brandywine SPCA. If you go to colonymeatery.com to order and use code Ricky, you get five bucks off. That is colonymeatery.com. Use code Ricky for $5 off. Must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Back to the Ricky. Before we get to, uh, to AU, actually, I think a, my, my assumption is AU actually knows the record that we're going to talk about for Record Club, so I'd like to get his um, opinion on it. Uh, we got Now that the, the field of 64 jigsaws is over, um, many people horrified at the, <laughs> um, the decision you made. And I, I, one, one note I'd like to, this comes from the mailbag, let me find it. Um, Hold on. Uh, somebody, because it was the second time that somebody brought up this point. Um, actually, it's not in the mailbag. Somebody brought up the point of if uh, I, and, and this is a couple of rounds ago, but if I end up being your father, um, then that means that Howard Eskin is your grandfather, which I don't think we ever explored in the pod, um, which also came from the jigsaw field of 64. And somehow we, we never discussed when mm. you were choosing that option. I, I don't, maybe, maybe. Well, I, I, that's, that's how dadness works. Well, but how, but you end up being my, there's, we're, we're really uh, taking liberties with dadness here. <laughs> so I, I yeah, was, was taking I, it to be just the question. If it was, if it was, I was an Askin. I was part of uh -huh. the line of Eskins coming from your dad. Yep. Then maybe that would have been it would have resulted in a different thing. Fair enough. Um, so we uh, we can get back to normal jigsaws. And we actually we've had look. I, somebody asked me on Twitter what the hardest, the best jigsaw I ever gave you, and I still think it was the one that was submitted by the teenager. That was something to the effect of your mom and your girlfriend switch bodies, and you have to have sex with one of them. I it was that was the the gist of it, right? So you're either having sex with the body of your mother and the mind of your girlfriend or the mind of your mother and the body of your girlfriend. That's not something that I the... love reliving. Yeah. <laughs> so we have another, we have another jigsaw submitted uh, from a listener. They've done a much better job than I have in recent weeks. So uh, a jigsaw from Jordan from Millersburg. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? All right. This comes from Jordan. I thought this was good. Love you guys. Miss, miss the Sixers. For the rest of your life, choice number one, anytime you see the color purple, you get an uncontrollable erection. It will go away in the normal amount of time, but you can't stop it once it starts. I think there are some questions there you're gonna have. Um, or option B, anytime you drive, there will be a yellow jacket in your vehicle. Oh. <laughs> uh, what, what is an uncontrollable? Oh, I guess when you say uncontrollable erection, it means there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, Not yeah. that it is bigger than normal. Sure. Um, I very clearly go option A. Give me, give me the boner. Uh, Every time you see the color purple, fine. is rough. Fine. Okay. Look, I've been a teenager. 
and right. some, and that's kind of just how it was. So, the driving with the yellow jack in my car, I will get in an accident and die instantly. That's, hmm. not, that's not for me. Uh, yeah, I would be pretty scared of get. I've never been stung by a bee. You've never so been I, stung by a bee. Never, no. And and the the thing that makes me fearful of being stung by a bee, and I, I wouldn't say that I'm over fearful of being stung by a bee, but I don't know if I'm allergic to it because I've never been stung by a bee. But I see. I would imagine that you see more purple than you think of, and you know, for my professional career, sometimes I'm in a suit. You know, I and Spike, I probably jeans. have more boners than you know. So yeah, it's really it's a, it's a, it gets lost in the wash. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we bring on Andrew Unterberger, brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding, um, who seem to be kicking a little bit of ass with, with their physical location clothes. I don't want to say that they are, you know, obviously financially it isn't as good for them. And I believe they've been able to keep all of their employees employed with doing some stuff around the shop. But the great stuff on the Instagram, uh, just they have the, the new uh, check vans with other different colors on them, like the bright green and the bright orange, just fucking awesome. So, uh, kineticskateboarding.com, use code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. AU, as you return to the pod, the first question for you, would you pick the B in the car or the boner every time you see the color purple? Well, more importantly, I have a first question for you, which is, uh, am I going to get the intro music when the, is that going to get like, like added in later to the podcast? Oh shit. Um, yeah. Jason's we'll going to be very it. upset if I don't get that intro, intro music. Yeah. Uh, intro music right now. To, uh, it'll be in there. Thank the you. Pot. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, boner or or B? Uh, easily boner. Uh, the, the the B thing, like, yeah, I I I, I take driving very seriously. I, I miss driving uh, in this quarantine time, uh, and I don't like bees. And I have got I've actually gotten stung by a bee on my tongue before. Uh, oh I was my at, god! I was at day camp when I was like ten, and I licked a lollipop that happened to have a bee on it, and I didn't realize. Oh. Uh, and that was one of the, I would say, one of the five most traumatic experiences of my life. And I, I don't care to repeat anything close to that anytime soon. So, yeah, uh, def, definite uh, purple boner. That's fine by me. Look where you're licking, dude. Yeah, I know. Well, I was young, man. Whatever. Lollipops. I don't, you, you, don't, you can't look at a lollipop every time you lick it. That'd be ridiculous. Can you tell me, I mean, I hate to even ask, but what, what like, can you tell me what the result of getting stung on your tongue was like like how did you i mean it sucked i <laughs> i don't know how to be more specific <laughs> than that like uh you know it, it tasted fuzzy for a second and then it tasted like pain and it, it was terrible uh i mean it, it, i guess i got over it it wasn't like you know I, I don't i don't still have like scar tissue on my tongue for it or anything I, I've, I've resumed being able to lick things but like yeah it was it's not an experience i'd recommend to anybody else wow i'd, I'd like to note that au's Music, which was also produced by Jaron Olefsky, Amos Lee's music director, who, musical director, who has never once, I don't think, heard the podcast, doesn't like basketball, and has produced our intro, outro, and now uh, your intro music, and um, we haven't paid him one cent. 
Uh, so, so thank you, Jaron. Yeah, yeah. So AU, you know, the season, the official NBA season gets suspended the evening of March 11th or March 12th, March 11th, I think. And um, at a certain point following it, AU and I uh, decide on continuing to follow the season if it had never been suspended. So while the rest of the Sixers beat writers are lazily writing about things that happened in the past, AU is writing about things that are still going on right now, though nobody else can see them. In the J.J. Reddick alternate timeline. Yes, in the J.J. Reddick alternate time. Absolutely. I, you're tying it all together, Mike. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel bad for the other writers who have to like keep coming up with new stuff to write about without a season going on. Like, this is easy for me. This is, this is actually like the easiest job I've ever had covering the Sixers is just, you know, writing whatever I want to write about whatever I want the team to be going through right now. It's, it's, it's a pretty sweet gig. I, do you... Okay, so when you're thinking about doing this, how much do you think about what would be amusing to you versus what people will enjoy? Or is it a combination of all of them? Like, obviously, Jordan, like them signing Jordan or uh, Jamal Crawford is both amusing for you and amusing, like is great drama. But here as we go into the playoffs, with the Sixers starting their playoffs today, the 4-5 matchup with home court against the Heat, how much do you feel pressure uh, from listener reaction based on how this ends up from you? I mean, I'd feel more pressure if I actually believe that anybody aside from my mom, my friend Nate, and occasionally you are actually reading these. Uh, so I, I can't say that I feel like, uh, like, like you know, I'm really going to get a lot of backlash if uh, if I do something with these recaps that people don't like because I I don't think that a lot of people are reading them in the first place. Uh, so I, I'm basically just kind of I don't know following my own muse, I guess, with these. Uh, I, I'm I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to do something that I that I think is is plausible and is probably pretty close to what would have happened anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm you know bearing a couple Easter eggs for my own enjoyment, if nothing else. And if if you are reading, then then hopefully you've uh, you, you you've kind of caught into a couple of the recurring themes and you know some of the some of the the things that I that I bury in there for the for the real process trusters. Uh, but if not, that's fine. As I emailed you, I really am enjoying the injuries part of it specifically. Um, that, thank you. Yeah, that feels the most true to form. How how much, uh, not pressure, but in terms of like, because you're make you, you know this is you know you're seeing into the window to the other dimension to the JJ Reddick Ultimate Universe, and but you could there's a world where you decide it's it goes well for the Sixers, and there's a world where you decide it doesn't, and so we're on the precipice of that going into a Miami series, and uh, with uh, Milwaukee looming. What do you, are you like? What are you trying to say here? Do you know? Do you do you know if you have an ending? <laughs> what's going on? Uh, I, I have a, a couple potential endings in mind. I, I don't want to commit myself to anything specific, e- either like to you guys or just to myself, because I, I do kind of want to play it as it goes. Uh, and you know, the, the, uh, there are still like real life things happening that might. Influ- I mean, like you know, you know, normal timeline things happening that might influence this in one way or the other. I, I don't. I don't want to say what say for sure, uh, but I, I definitely have like a couple beats. I mean, you're a writer, you know, like, like you want you want to hit certain beats uh, like along the way, and and maybe you don't know exactly what the ending is yet, but you know, certain kind of mo- like checkpoints you want to get to on your way there. So I, I have those, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna kind of see how it feels as I'm writing it, and uh, you know, let the uh, let the momentum of the series carry me. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to say either what the real-life timeline thing that could adjust this, but there is a potential for if there is a potential for some interesting conflict, I guess, between real life and, and your um, your your timeline as that, well. That is certainly so, true. Yeah. Well, let me ask and, you guys, if, if we were going into the series uh, for real, like knowing what you know about how this timeline is going, uh, who would you have in this series? Oh, I would have well, I would have the Sixers, the Sixers given that yeah Miami Miami has not played well in the, the you know the, the basic final stretch of your um, of the last month I would say that the Sixers have had a, a more positive last month than the Heat right I mean the Sixers yeah, are yeah, the, the minus one fifty favorites in this or something like that that would be my guess yeah the, the Sixers uh, finished the season fifteen and five uh, where the Heat went eleven and nine over the same start so it's not like a, like a world of difference I mean the, the Heat haven't been like and totally in the tank but they've they've lost some winnable games and yeah they're, they're certainly not like yeah they, they've had some so little infighting there's there's some kind of rumblings between Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra so yeah it's it's definitely not like the momentum's not on their side, but uh, you know the, we we still don't know for sure whether or not Ben Simmons is going to be suiting up for Game One. And you know without Ben Simmons, you know they have a lot of guys to be accounted for on the perimeter, and that that could be a, a huge you know matchup disadvantage for the Sixers, I think. The- and by the way, we won't know if Ben Simmons suited up until we read the recap. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we, we still don't know. It's a game time decision. Uh, you know, the, the, the indicators are positive, but nobody's saying anything official. And that's as a Sixers fan, I think that's pretty worrisome. So I, I kind of compare it to like where Derek Rose was and like I think the, the 2013 playoffs, I want to say, where it's like you see him on the sideline. He looks healthy. Uh, he's like in, he's in warm ups. He's in shoot arounds. He seems like Derek Rose, but he's just not checking into the games. And uh, th- th- that's sort of where we are with Ben right now. I like that you had to go to a different team to to generate a, a potential in- return <laughs> from injury situation, as if we couldn't yeah. fathom it with our own Sixers. Well, that's fair, but we've never been in this particular situation before, at least not with Ben. So uh, uh, th- th- I think that's the, the, the fairer comp what, than anything that we've we gone through with Joel and Marco. Like three times over the last two playoffs. Uh, yes, but uh, I think we're a little bit more used to it with Embiid. Uh, like, like Embiid, I don't know, he, he's always been a little bit uh, injury prone. So uh, we, we had there, there's kind of precedent to pull from there. Ben Simmons has never really had a major injury. I guess, I mean, aside from the, the one that kept him out his entire rookie year. But like, as he's been, <laughs> aside from that, uh, as he's been playing, it's been a, a pretty, 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 pretty consistently productive and healthy. So it's sort of a, un, uncharted territory fair, with him. Fair enough. The, the, your series and the season that you've tapped into is more. I would say mainly by a resurgence from Al Horford. That would be, I would say, its defining yeah. characteristic. Uh, sure. How has that been for you to write? And has it affected what you believe is possible for <laughs> yeah, future seasons? Like, do you well, the, the, read the, Spike yeah, the, argument last, last podcast? Not even an argument. Where I, I said there's a, there's a chance that it looks better next year. And I wouldn't trade Horford for just to trade him for you know the the Sixers Adam package of Patty Mills and Rudy Gay, um, right? And uh, so there's no chance that they're not trading. Well, the answer to if writing about him being better has made me think he's actually better, uh, the answer to that is 100% yes. Uh, I, wow. I now believe that that he and Embiid can play together productively. I I do worry about what happens when Simmons comes back. I mean, th- this is all stuff that we've talked about. 
before the season uh, kind of hit the fork in the road uh, that Al Horford had been kind of playing better of lately, uh, even alongside Embiid in that last game, uh, that they were both pretty productive. Uh, but the problem is that you can't play Horford, Embiid, and Simmons at the same time. So it, it makes sense that without Simmons in, uh, yeah, Horford would there'd be at least a little you know, minor uptick in it. And, and it's just also just kind of shooting, regressing to the mean. Uh, we saw it a little bit when Simmons was playing, but Embiid wasn't. Horford was a little bit better then, too. So th- th- this isn't like shocking or unprecedented, I don't think. Uh, and he has still been like a pretty considerable liability on defense. And I do think that that can manifest in this Heat series, too. Like, the, again, there's just a lot of guys on the perimeter on this Heat team, a lot of shooters that Horford's going to have to get out to. And he's just not movable in traffic. So uh, I, I question about that. And I, I do think in this in this Heat series that like one of the main things that the Sixers are going to have to get through are just surviving those minutes with Horford at center when, when Embiid sits, which is you know, obviously a huge problem for them last uh, playoffs. It, and we thought it would be better this year. Maybe it will be. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a concern still. Certainly. They beat Miami and Milwaukee. Uh, they're giving Horford an extension right away. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, uh, right there, while you were talking, you did the thing where you forgot you were talking about a series that is not actually going to happen. Uh, I think the biggest question is how is Tobias Harris going to disappoint everyone, and uh, and how much are you looking forward to to that? Well, I mean, to, to, to Tobias's credit, like the numbers have been pretty good. Like if you just kind of look at his box scores game, you know, night to night over the last month or so, I, you would say he's like I don't know, he's not maybe he hasn't lived up to his hundred eighty million dollar contract or anything, but he's he's been a you know about what we would have expected Tobias Harris to be this season. Uh, it's just you know kind of you have to actually watch the, the games and uh, you see like oh he's missing technical free throws, he's uh you know he's like throwing the ball out of bounds in crucial last second possessions. He had that 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 the, the New Orleans game where uh, he he had the attempt at the game winner and got blocked by Zion into the, like the next dimension. Like it's just stuff like that where you're just like. Ugh bias uh so I, I expect a lot of that in this miami series i expect you know he'll get his numbers because he always does uh and certainly without without ben if, if he if he's not available for the first couple games then uh then well you know we, we don't really have a lot of other guys to, to be volume guys on, on offense so i'm sure he'll get his shots he'll get his numbers but there's going to be probably still like a play a game that just just you know like ah fucking tobias this guy um well i mean this is the series that I think could have either unified all of, of Sixers fans at once or broken us completely, mm-hmm. the, the Heat versus Sixers series. Like a, a Jimmy Butler, like a, a Jimmy Butler performance that won the Heat a first round series, I think it certainly would have been the end of me. I mean, nobody would have, <laughs> would have ever... <laughs> like I, I can make fun of JJ Redick all I want, and you know, so on and so forth. But like the Butler thing is is definitely there in the background, waiting to fucking slaughter me at some point. Well, I think the real question is, I'll, I'll be curious for your guys' take on this. Do you think Andre Iguodala gets booed every time he touches the ball, or is it? Is it I mean, obviously Jimmy oh, Butler does, shit, but yes. but is, yes. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think I think he will. I don't think he should, but my guess is he would. I would you? say no. No. I would say no. Not. It's been too long. Too far removed. I I think maybe it's one of those things that they they think they're going to do in the beginning and happens for the first two or three times he touches the ball, but does not sustain. That would be my guess. Yeah, I would bet it's something like that. I think you know if he, if he starts and he's been kind of in and out of the Heat's line, the starting lineup the last month or so. So I, I don't know yet for sure if he'll be starting. But if if he does and he gets he gets announced during uh, during during player intros, I think that that'll probably get a pretty hearty boo at that point. But I don't think it's gonna be like yeah, Jimmy, where like where every time he touches the ball, it's just a, a chorus. Like it, it's probably not at that level. 
Well, AU, you've done a, a bang-up job, and I think uh, you, you've run, wrote, written a lot of good things for, uh, you know, before you were with us and while you were with us, but your, your commitment to this has been amazing. I mentioned on the pod once before that I told you that you could actually work ahead and write in advance, and you do not do that. You no, sir. don't even write the fucking story until the game's over, um, which is really shocking even in a lot of ways. Wow. Yeah, it's really incredible. New back so I never. think you've done a great job. <laughs> well, well, thank you both. I appreciate it. Uh, since there's been a lot of music talk on the podcast lately, can, can I ask mm-hmm. you guys something that, that's been a concern of mine of late? Yeah, well, we were going to pivot uh, into the, the Ricky Record Club uh, record for the week. I was going to All right, I'll, I'll wait till you do that then, yeah. Yeah. Um, wait. Oh, you wait till we're going to do that now anyway. So I, okay. I was wondering. So the one that was suggested for this week uh, from listener Brett Stevenson was Margo, Bri- Margo Price's All American Made. Um, I will hold my uh, my review of it. But uh, the, the quick thing on Margo Price, in case you don't know, um, she basically uh, and AU, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but seems like she has become like the the apple of like the country music eye in a lot of ways for the last several years. Um, is from Illinois, moved to Nashville. Um, like there's, uh, and there's definitely Dolly Parton in her voice, and I think some in the music, but some like less, um, less country influences. Like people have mentioned Janis Joplin. Uh, she's got Willie Nelson on this record, and the first two albums were on Third Man Records, which is Jack White's um, label. So that that's the story on her. Do you, you a fan? Uh, are you familiar with the album? I'm, I'm sort of familiar. I, I listened to it when it came out, and I listened to it again this morning in, in case we wanted to talk about it today. Uh, I think she's, she's she's certainly talented, and I, I like her. I, I do think, like when it comes to country, I, I tend to gravitate towards stuff that's less explicitly retro than this. Like this is very much like, okay, this 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 record could have been beamed in from the '70s or '80s. Well, uh, not you know, the, the, certainly not the the topics that they're talking. Not the lyrics. No, the, yeah, it's more yeah. more of a sound thing. Uh, and, and there are certainly some, some topics like the pay, that pay gap song. I think is really interesting, and and there's yeah. others like that on the record. Uh, I, I, I tend to prefer like. Uh, you know, singer songwriters like Miranda Lambert and Casey Musgraves that that definitely are in that like kind of classic country lineage more than a lot of the people here on the radio, but still have a little bit more of a modern sound, maybe a little bit more of a modern sensibility. Uh, but I, I'll say that I have heard uh, just from people I know and trust that the upcoming Margot Price record, which is supposed to come out sometime this year, but was bumped because of coronavirus stuff, uh, that's supposed to be kind of like her her like first truly major work and maybe like her kind of taking her shit to a new level. So I'll, I'll listen to that and, and hopefully I'll, I'll connect with that a little bit more. This is good, but uh, it's, it's just not a personal favorite. Mike, what did you think? I thought it was delightful. I, I thought she was great. Uh, I, I like her voice. I think there's, there's uh, as you said, Dolly Parton and some Bonnie Ray in there, but there's also some like soul influences mm-hmm. um and especially the song uh do right by me which has a which has some like chorus behind her um was really dope and uh i thought the stuff she was saying was cool and interesting i'm really bad at talking about music um it's not not a thing i'm good at so don't have to worry about me taking your job hey you um <laughs> appreciate I, that I, thought, I thought she was good i enjoy i enjoyed the listen and i i think that she's she's cool as hell uh, so I had some like pluses and minuses on it. As it, as it started, I felt like AU felt it was definitely like a pretty honky tonk Americana, like sort of like the first couple of tracks. Um, but it was the slow songs on it that I seemed to appreciate more, which 
reminded me of the country stuff that I can stomach, which is, you know, we mentioned uh, John Prine, uh, who passed away, and even Johnny Cash. And I think when uh, when, uh, when third Ricky host uh, Amos is, like, when he is doing the country thing that I like the most, it is when it's slower and a little sadder and darker. So the song with Willie Nelson I thought was really good. Um, the title track I thought was really good. There's a song called Nowhere Fast, um, that, that was good. And that pay gap song, which is, you know, the thing about, uh, country music is that it is very, like, there's not a lot of like metaphoric stuff in the, in the lyrics. It's, it's pretty straightforward, uh, even at its, its worst and at its best. So, um, it's not something I would, that I wouldn't listen to the album over and over and over again, but those songs would make it into playlists for me, which I, uh, which I appreciated. Um, I've mentioned to Amos that his, uh, he's got, a, he's got a, a song called El Camino that there's a version with Willie Nelson that I think is fucking awesome. And it just sounds, there's something about Willie Nelson on those slow songs that is very sort of dark almost, like it's coming from a, I don't, I don't know. But it does hit that, those Johnny Cash notes that I, that I like. You were, ask, you were asking for, uh, in the rundown, you were asking for a new name for Ricky Record Club, if you want to change it. Um, oh no! I was looking for a new record, oh, but we well, can I have got a new, new name. name. Well, if, if you, you want, want to give it to like the Jorge Gutierrez uh, recommendation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the uh, the Carl Landry Record Club because in his last game with the Sixers, he's you know set all sorts of records for himself. Oh, love I love Carl Landry Record Club. I'm changing it right now. <laughs> Carl Landry um, Record Club. Uh, we did get. Uh, uh, a few positive emails and about this particular record and a couple of suggestions. We need suggestions, so just send them to us at rightstrickysanchez at gmail.com. The, uh, the Sixers, uh, four leading scorers in, in that last Carl Landry game. Obviously, where? Carl Landry with 22. Uh, Isaiah Cannon with 16. Nick Stauskas with 13. Hollis Thompson with 13. Simpler times. Wow. What? Yep. In a win. Um, <laughs> in a win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, one of the responses I like best uh, came from Greg on Twitter, and he says, in all caps, I do not like country music, especially overproduced crap, but give me someone who can sing some bluesy and bluegrass stuff with not too much twang and a singer-songwriter vibe, and I'll give it a shot. Uh, Ricky made me listen to Margot Price, and she was really good. She gave me a Janis Joplin vibe at times, which I can get behind. So the idea that people can listen to something they wouldn't have normally listened to, and I wouldn't have listened to this, is cool. So the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Corn. Hornblau, the official law firm of the process. Mike, I was thinking earlier this week. Mm. I, I don't know how, yeah, I was actually thinking, and I don't know how we reward this person, but at some point, we're going to need somebody who has who has purchased a home from Adam Kasabi, uh, jewelry from LL, Colony Mead, um, something from Kinetic, whether it be hoodie or Vans, skateboard, something like that, um, a big Barker dog bed, um, uh, an electric fireplace from Touchstone. Who am I forgetting? Um, am I forgetting anybody? Um, Big Barker, Touchstone. Did we say LL? Well, well, yeah, I said LL, jewelry from LL. And, and obviously have sued somebody with Cornblow and Cornblow. Of course. And I'm trying to th- I was thinking of the order of operations. Really, I think Cornblow has to be, doesn't have to be first. I don't, you know, you might have enough money for them not to be first. But if Cornblow is first and you get a big settlement, then you can go right, like, then everything becomes easier. Because obviously, I think the two most difficult things here are the expense of a home, uh, a beach home, that is, in Delaware, and uh, and the jewelry. But if you go Cornblow first, 
then you should be you should be all good. The so. thing that I'd like to see, and I know that this could provide some drama and content for us in these trying times, is if oh, Cornblow Sue is one of the other sponsors. I knew it. I knew that was what you were going to say. Well, I mean, look, he is there. He's not there to serve us. He's not there to serve the other Ricky sponsors. He is there to serve you. That's right. Cornblow and Cornblow, there to serve you, the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the uh, in the whole Delaware Valley, and look, people are still can still get injured. Even you know, you you go out to drive to get some uh, necessities. Maybe you get in a car accident. Maybe you're maybe you are going to work. Maybe you're injured or at work. You know, any of those things. So he's going to take care of you and any legal advice, really. And here's the greatest thing: now that he's not going into the office, they have a ton of uh, different. Uh, locations, but now that he's not going to the office, his office line goes right to his cell phone, which we proved uh, last time we talked about him. So if you call 215-576-7200, that is 215-576-7200, you can talk to Adam right now. Um, You can see which of the Ricky sponsors he'd like to sue the most. Uh, You know, Big Parker would be tough because they don't have a physical location. Dog client. (laughs) Dog client, yeah. Uh, seriously, if you get hurt in any way, uh, and they have some of the, the biggest medical malpractice uh, results in the in the in the area, just they they do uh, great, great, great work. And we uh, Adam is a trusted friend and a sponsor of the Ricky. And and like I said, any sort of legal advice is there for you. If you don't want to call him at two one five five seven six seventy two hundred, which goes right to his cell phone, you can email Cornblow at Cornblow and Cornblow.com. Adam Cornblow, the official lawyer of the process. Back to the Ricky. AU, what was your, uh, your, your music thing that you were noticing? Oh, it just, it's more a question. It's just uh, something that's been kind of annoying me on Twitter recently, which are, are, are you know, which are certainly numerous, but this one particularly kind of, kind of gets to me. I'm curious, like when you guys listen to albums that you're already decently familiar with and that you already know you like, do you skip the songs that you like less? Oh, Mike. Sometimes. Yeah, I wish I had a. I'm trying to think of it, uh, an album that I like most of the songs on in like in a very high way. I think that there. I would not say that I skip the songs that I like less, but I would skip the songs that are not that are like I, I know I use the word standard deviation too much, but like that are more <laughs> than one that are more than one standard deviation from the really good songs in the album. Like if there's only four good songs on an album or four great songs and the rest are junk, of course I skip it. But I guess the question is, do I skip Rocket Queen when I listen to Appetite for Destruction? And the answer is not usually. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. What, what was your... I haven't noticed this. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a Twitter... It's, 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 a thing, it's a thing that's been... Good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a music Twitter thing, although I think it's probably crossed over into Square Twitter too, uh, just about like... Square Twitter. Pick four pick four albums that you that you have no skips on it, oh, like okay. that, that's the thing, and like everyone's like, oh, and they're supposed to tag other writers, and they're supposed to do the same thing. I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't want to come off like too judgy or dogmatic here, but like, I, look, I, I understand it a little bit better when we were all listening to CDs, and that was the only way you could listen to music, and you could very easily skip from one track to the next. Like then, okay, like you, you have an album where you can only hear the songs that you like on that album, and there are a bunch of songs you don't like on it. All right, fine. So you skip from one track to the next. In in like the streaming era where you can build any playlist you want, I don't get like if you're if you're gonna listen to an album, 
I would just listen to the album. If you if you if you if you only want to listen to a couple songs on that album, then just just listen to a playlist. I, I don't understand what the point is of okay, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to listen to this pre-prescribed thing of like 12 tracks in a row that an artist really wanted me to listen to in this order. But I'm going to jump around and I'm going to kind of you know, curate it as I see fit. That doesn't really make sense to me. Well, I mean, it all seems to go back to you know one of the. I have a bunch of uh, like cassette tapes. Uh, tattooed on my right arm and one of the things that I I say to people about like what mix the the, the difference between like playlists and even mixed CDs and mixed tapes were that you had to you had to like listen in real time when you mm-hmm. made a, a like a mixed tape and you also had to plan out for time or else you would be left with you know an awkward amount of time at the end of a thing and I uh, I don't know, like the idea of just pulling the six songs from the album that you like and not listening to the other ones at all, I agree with you, sort of like sucks. If there's three songs that are not quite as good, but you want the experience of the album. That said, why would you listen to something that you don't like? So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If there's like a movie that you're watching and there's like a couple slow scenes in the middle, do you just kind of fast forward past those scenes? Like, a, that, I don't know. Like, it's still part of the experience. It's still part of the thing. Like, hmm. I don't know. Do you, I, I don't actually. Mike, do you? You don't skip past scenes in TV shows or movies when you're rewatching, do you? No. Yeah. I don't know. But I also don't think they're the same thing. It's not, it's not quite the same, but I don't know. If yeah. you're going to take the time to listen to an album in 2020, just listen to the fucking album. I, 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 that's my opinion on it anyway. <laughs> I, res- I respect Classic the take purist. on that. Uh, yeah. sorry. Thoughts on the new Fiona Apple album? Because I like it, especially the song Relay. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think I mean, uh, I, I think it's exciting when an artist just sounds more like themselves on every album that they release. And that's sort of what Fiona Apple's deal is. Uh, and she's like very sing- singular in like a very casual way. Like her greatness is not at all like blustery or annoying or pretentious. It's just kind of her. Uh, and that's exciting to me. And I think it's cool that everyone's kind of rallying around this album, which feels like very much of this moment, but in, or, in a very, very organic way, like in a way that she couldn't possibly have planned or done intentionally. Like I, I was worried that this would happen with an album that like was trying very hard to be the quarantine album. And this just kind of fell into place naturally. And I think that's pretty cool. I, I look forward to listening to it a lot over the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I woke up and I was excited to listen to it and, uh, I don't want to recant the entire email, but I sent <laughs> I, I loved I, this email, by the way. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this email, but go I, ahead. I thought you guys would like it. It was, it started off very, very, very serious and it took a curveball in the middle and went to the Fiona Apple. I, I thought for sure I was either getting fired or just not paid for the immediate future, but sure. Yeah, go on. <laughs> You know, it was about, you know, uh, waking up with anxiety in the middle of it. All true, by the way. The, the entire email was true. I woke up and I listened to the, the album and, you know, uh, me coming from probably, AU, I don't know how old you are. How old are you? Uh, how old am I? I'm 33, turning 34 in a couple months. Okay. So me coming from a different place than both you guys in that I specifically was in my, you know, mid to late teens when Tidal came out and, and do remember like the trajectory of Fiona Apple in my mostly adult life. I was very excited to hear it. And uh, I was ready. For, like there was a lot of like pre-review critical praise coming that like you could tell what this was going to do and I overall I just thought it, I think it's kind of boring um, I I don't think it's bad at all but sometimes things like if you're going to be weird and different you either have to be 
for me, very out there, uh, and make me think differently about what like music at all, or there needs to be something within the songs that brings me back to um, what I like about music or like about these songs. And like, I, I don't like the fact that she doesn't sing a lot. I, I made the comment to Jason that she sounds like she's doing um, Jonah Hill during the uh, poetry scene in 21 Jump Street in one of the songs. Um, <laughs> sure. I, I, I just like I it doesn't con- I don't connect with it really on any level. I you can tell by listening to it that it is it feels like a, a personal record and it feels like a statement which I respect. But um, I'm a little suspicious of anything that has 100% outright critical praise the moment it comes out. Um, you know, like it's it's almost impossible to tell if something is important. Uh, immediately when it comes out, especially for music, and I feel like it's being treated that way. So, but I, I listened to it while I was running this morning, and I'm trying to make myself like it, which I've right. done with other artists I like, but I didn't particularly love it when I. And, and I totally respect that, and I, I do think that there is something to be said for just having some version of a dissenting opinion in, in rare cases of total critical unanimity like this. Like it, it, this, sh- this shouldn't be a record that everyone loves. Uh, there really sh- probably shouldn't be too many, if any, records that ev- absolutely everyone loves. And so there, there's definitely like grievances to have with it if you're so inclined. And I, I appreciate that you're expressing that minority opinion. I will say, though, one thing you definitely should uh, respect and love about this album is that it does prominently feature dogs on at least one song and that she does thank yes, her dogs in the liner notes. It. Yeah. yeah, there's there's actually meowing in it. I think too. There's barking, but I believe early in the song there's meowing in it. It's like the third or fourth track. Yeah. She, she's an equal um, opportunist. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that as well. I, I said somebody to uh, somebody tweeted me and like uh, when I said I didn't really like it, like pointed me toward the Metacritic score. And like my only response to that was like in a, in an album that's supposed to be difficult and and challenging, it does seem strange to me that the. Um, like that, the Metacritic score would be 100. It just yeah, totally fair. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks, AU. Appreciate it, buddy. Looking forward to see how this series goes. Um, boy, it, yeah. it could end badly. I don't want to post the story that says Jimmy Butler hits game winner in game six to end the series. I'm, I'm yeah. running away from after after I post that one. Uh, we, we will see, my man. In, in the meantime, uh, Jimmy Butler and mass layoffs get off my gold. Ah, <laughs> I love it. There he is. Um, my couple of, we, we got a bunch of great, e- the emailers have been doing a great job so far, right? It's Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. One guy emailed with just a non-basketball question. He, he notes, this is my non-basketball question, but he just sent in non-basketball. Uh, this is from John. What is your favorite piece of Ricky merch of all time? I'm currently wearing my full Dietrich shirt, which I've always loved having to explain to everyone. Do you have a favorite? Of our shirts? Yeah. Of our merch, all total merch ever. Um, I really like the uh, front of the uh, party board T-shirt. The back is uh, tough because it feels like I'm making a statement about not that being you're a, not on social media. Yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. So I wear it like under a jacket type thing where don't you yep. don't have to see the back, or I'll just wear it around the house. I love the front. I think it's I think the uh, our logo and this old Sixers logo is really really cool. Um, and I obviously the too good is always very clean, clean looking to mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> there's I we got, I love the shorts which are not I guess part of our official merch collection, but the kinetic shorts yeah, with the, the blue kinetic it shorts counts. with the Ricky yeah. logo in there are, are pretty nice. I think we got some good stuff. My dad has every single one, uh, yep. and I don't think has I think he's thrown out the rest of his wardrobe and only wears those shirts. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, we, we have. I was trying to count at one point because I, now I don't have everyone, and uh, I think we're easily in like the mid to upper twenties in different shirts. And then there's the there's the skull cap, the snapback, the shorts, as you mentioned, the posters. I think um, my favorite piece of art is probably what Tanner did for the. Um, What's it called? The Mike Scott poster. Um, I really like that yeah, one. That's cool. I would say, as far as shirts go, I really like the. Um, I love the Embiid uh, and Justice for All one, but I think the Horford one will always go down as my favorite because a because of, like the troll of it in the first place is very funny. I think, and then the fact that he ended up everybody hates him now is also very funny to the shirt and I'll never stop. Well, it, so the, I, think. The, I think the most relevant bits are the ones where we're on the receiving end of it and we are made to look the fool. I right. think those are the best ones. Uh, obviously retweet Armageddon is the main, mm-hmm. the main culprit there. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. It makes it funnier because I, I, I do one thing that the, only the people inside ever knew is like we are aware of how f- stupid this is. We're, we're we're very aware. The bit is making pretend that we don't think it's stupid at all. So that's for the normies or the squares, as <laughs> AU called it. Uh, this comes from Phil. My non-basketball question: During the bridge to Tony, Tony, Tony's, you don't fuck with me. I don't fuck with you. I think it's not clear what Tony was saying. The first few weeks I listened to it, I thought he was saying it's like gravy against the machine. I realize he is saying it's like rage against the machine. I was wondering whether Tony T fans had the same thought as me. And if they did, can we have a Tony T or Eliza Hardy Jones re-record the song with Gravy Bridge? (laughs) It was always very clear to me that he was saying it's like rage against the machine. Yeah, but a gravy machine sounds really good. Yeah, I would love a gravy machine. Um, And my basketball question, Brett is going to get fired. He just is. You guys haven't really talked much about who you'd like to see the Sixers interview or go after when that happens. Uh, who do you think are the likely candidates? Who do you want them to hire? Whether they they be retread likely candidates or otherwise, I think we've talked about it in different, um, in small bits, but never fully. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm almost I mean, sure they will hire a retread. You you right? you're sure? I'm almost sure. Yeah, I, I don't think that they would. Yeah. I don't think that they feel positive about our bench, the like bench coaches, right. Quite yet. Yeah. Um. I, you know, one of the Van Gundys, or that'd be really funny if Stan Van Gundy coached this team. That would be really funny for yeah. us. Um, or like a t- like Thibodeau. Like those are the like those are the names. Like that's why I'm not excited. I know that people are like, you know, down on Brad, and he obviously didn't have a great year this year. Um, and things did, you know, for for a few years, many years, it was like keeping the team together and feeling like people like playing for him was the, was to me, one of the, uh, one of, if not the most important uh, factor in being a coach, if you don't have like one of the top three or four. Um, So I'd rather just get a guy who has a, who a person who like, you know, engenders a good workplace and just really Mm -hmm. people want to be there and want to work hard and stuff. That didn't seem to be fully the case this year, whether it was Brett's fault or the or front office's fault or just, you know, a weird year, which happens. Um, but the clunky fit certainly played a role, and Brett never fully figured that out. 
but I, I look around and I'm like, I, I don't see much like salvation in any, in any of the other people that are available. Um, so I, you know, there's a world in, cause I like Brett. I really like Brett. I think he's a great guy. And I think that he did seem like more lost this season and more frustrated and, and less like, you know, the offense that they were running was frequently stagnant. And I think, you know, he came in with the ethos of the past being king, and like that wasn't the case this year, really at all. And so, maybe you reconfigure the team around that and get people to buy in, or Brett just like takes this quarantine time to himself and realizes like what he wants his team to look like, or that he was, you know, more sour this season or whatever it was, and and. And next season gets a, ch- a chance to like play with that, uh, you know, coach a team with that level of joy that we that we fell in love with. Um, so I don't know. I it, if you present me an alternative that I'd be excited about, maybe. But I, I'm I'm just really I'm just I I'd bet on Brett becoming a, a having a better workplace again than I would some you know sixth Van Gundy brother or like a lost Colangelo son like getting a shot to coach the team and. Running them into well, the ground. W- the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. One thing I noticed this week, uh, Mike, is that L.L. seems to dislike J.J. Redick more than almost anybody. Um, like, there were tweets in there. Uh, I was getting text messages and emails with uh, different quotes from articles that he wanted to make sure that I saw. He does not fucking like that guy at all. At all. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't get, know what we haven't talked about it yet, so I, I don't want I want to spoil it in the well, in, in the sponsor well, the, section. This this will have been after we talked about it. Well, then we probably had a great discussion, and maybe we're <laughs> mad at each other. Who knows? Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? That's a good point. Um, uh, so LL uh, not not in the store, you know, obviously right now, but can still uh, take care of all of your jewelry needs. Can do it any way if you want. Now, I, I'm pretty sure LL has a. Um, a, an Android phone, but he could do a Zoom thing with you. He could do Google Meet, so you could do uh, some sort of face-to-face. He's on WhatsApp, which is fucking stunning to me. Um, uh, he can email you pictures. He can do all of this stuff. Um, and get this, Mike, not only will he deliver it to you uh, free of charge, but curbside pickup at LL Pavorsky Jewelers mm. if you get jewelry. Yeah. Um, I, would, I guess... He walks outside with the fucking mask on, puts it on the curb, walks it away. You text him when you're coming in. Anyway, he's there to help you. He's been there for uh, more than 30, I think 32 years now. Um, 609-238-2219 is the number that you can call, which I suspect might also be his cell phone. I don't have his number up in front of me, but uh, 609-238-2219 or email him at lee at llpavorsky.com. That's lee at llpavorsky.com. So he can ship you what you need. Or you can just tweet at him at llpavorsky. He is the jeweler on Twitter who has the same Twitter avatar as the Right Streaky Sanchez podcast. So <laughs> uh, and, uh, he also uh, donating to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center for every single pod. Um, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. What's a celebration without jewelry from the original party boy? Oh, wow. Like that. Uh, Back to the Ricky. 
we discussed somebody brought up Kevin Ollie previously, which I thought was interesting. And yeah, I would someone mentioned because so, someone responded to that and, and said like there was I, and I'm remembering it, but can't remember any specifics that there, there was like a lot of weirdness towards the end of his UConn tenure. So I don't, and they and they fired him for what for like seemingly, you know, I think they, I think he went to court for it. But there was, was some weirdness about Kevin Ollie that I'm just frankly forgetting. Well, he ended up he ended up getting like a three year, um, like he can't coach in college right. thing uh, this past summer. So, uh, but I, the reason I thought he like he was interesting in a lot of ways. I had mentioned that Kevin Ollie talked about what a great clubhouse guy he was and a great vet guy he was when he was younger. And I don't think he would come in here demanding personnel control. That is honest. I think Jeff Van Gundy's a good coach, having, as as you said, uh, I've always been a Knicks fan. Uh, having been a Knicks fan at that time, I think he's a good coach, but I don't think he's going anywhere without personnel say, which I guess you could say is not particularly, is not worse than the situation we have now, but I don't think you can have the coach be in charge of player personnel, and that's what would worry me about yeah, that. Yeah, we've always been against um, that. Always. Yeah, I, I think there are actually a couple of retreads that might not be bad. I, I I'm I'm a lot less worried about the coach than I am worried about who's making the choices about the sure. the players. Um, and by the way, I found the email. This is from Tad, who brought up the Howard Eskin uh, grandfather thing. He's by the way. Um, he appreciates the tips about local distilleries. His girlfriend is uh, celiac, has celiac, and they're going to get some colony mead in Allentown this weekend. He says, maybe I missed it, but I don't remember hearing any discussion how if Spike is Mike's dad, then Howard is Mike's grandfather. I know Mike previously dismissed the idea that his mother took advantage of a 13-year-old Spike, but Mike's dad's deep dislike of Howard could be seen as more proof uh, of this being the case. Bonding with your adopted son over hating his biological grandfather because his son might have slept with your wife is really something. Also, Dana Levin is the great granddaughter slash son of Howard Eskin. No. So, none of that. There you go. Uh, maybe yeah. Ty Lue. I don't know. People seem like playing for him. One championship. Yeah, he, he seems like a doofus, but maybe I'm It'd wrong. It'd be really funny just, to have the step over return. Yeah, <laughs> imagine the, the, the T-shirt yeah. sort of opportunities of that. All right, and uh, last one. This comes from Michael. Uh, he does basketball, non-basketball. Huge Ricky fan. It was the first podcast I ever listened to. Um, it's comforting after a Sixers loss that other people are as mad as I am. Uh, all right, um, the basketball question. In your own Weitzman's book, Tanking to the Top, there was a section in there that nobody is talking about. It's the one not long after Brian Colangelo was dismissed. He ended up at a party with Jimmy Butler. By the way, Jimmy Butler's agent, the only person that said anything positive about Brian Colangelo during this entire thing. At the time, Butler was considering options of teams that he could be traded to. To be exact, it was on page 224 of the book, and Butler said to Colangelo, tell me about Philly. Colangelo looked at him and said, if you go there, you're going to win a championship. Sure, it was a trade, but nobody who would nobody would make that trade if Butler didn't bless it. My question is this: Do you think Colangelo believed Philly was a great place for Butler to go because all his boys were still there and it would work out for him, or do you think he believed Butler would be toxic like he was everywhere else, and that Colangelo would enjoy sitting back watching it all blow up? <laughs> I think I think the first one probably. I think he would uh, think that, that would be if, my if guess as Jimmy well. Got, or Jimmy went there and they won, then he would get credit for it. <laughs> 
And Mike's non-basketball question. Mike, you're a comedy writer. You're doing a podcast with the son of a guy you grew up uh, with hating. How have you not come up with a television show about the Eskin family? Howard, a local man about town, longtime sportscaster who became famous for irritating people into ratings and wears a fur coat. His son eventually becomes his boss, and then they have completely different ways of looking at the world. And you work with him. This is screaming to take over for Modern Family. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't take unsolicited... Uh, request for <laughs> scripts and comments. Right. No, it's something. It's something. I mean, it's always very interesting. You and your dad. Uh, it's something I thought about for sure. We also got uh, another TV question. This came from uh, Steve. He said, "Does Mike know Sean Clements and/or Hayes Davenport from working on The Grinder? Their podcast, Hollywood Handbook, is one of my other favorites, and I know they host. They also host a basketball podcast. Any chance you guys would have either or both of them on the show? It would be my dream, if admittedly very niche." Do you know those guys? I do know those guys. They were uh, writers on the grinder when I was a writer's assistant. Uh, very nice guys. Hayes now works in uh, politics, um, hmm. which is cool. Wow. Um, he, he, I listen to his other podcast, which is called LA Podcast. And if you live in LA, it's a very, uh, really informative and engaging local podcast. Uh, great guys. Yeah, we should talk to him. Um, all right. Well, that's it. Um, I've been uh, in negotiations with our uh, Wednesday guest uh, this week, so that should. Um, it's not JJ Reddick, so uh, so hopefully we'll we'll have that confirmed, and uh, and uh, but also and JJ Reddick is banned, by the way, which we didn't say. So um, you know, regardless oh, yeah. of what you, I've I mean, said, you got to lay it down, lay the band down. This is yours, man. I've had the last few, well, so have at it. So uh, you know, there's only. Well, have you permanently banned Howard Eskin, or just is he just banned? I mean, there's, there's, he's been banned since before we had a podcast, right? Um, I the only person that I know that I've permanently banned was Bill Simmons. Um, so, uh, you know, the seventy two hours have uh, been exhausted, and um, look, here is the gift that JJ Reddick uh, did for the world. Uh, I believe his podcast with Derek and Rich, I mentioned to AU earlier in the week that I have a lot of trouble sleeping now. If anyone has trouble sleeping, I'm sure that podcast will do the trick. Oh, wow. Um, but the, uh, the, uh, the final word is that the 72 hours have exhausted, and JJ Reddick, you are banned from the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, and I will go so far as to say this ban is considered... You know what I like? The fact that you gave him 72 hours and, and uh-huh. Bill Simmons listed the 72 uh, Apple podcast that his was not on. And I think that there's a, another connection there. Well, then maybe the fact that Bill Simmons has both uh, stolen my podcast and several other people's podcast ideas, um, maybe him stealing the 72 is not, um, what's it called, is not uh, unrelated. Wow. That's all. The claws that, that are out. Own. For everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Simmons, fucking asshole. Okay. Um, well, you got to say something good, or, or maybe you'll say it afterwards. So uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know Lakeface. Okay, night-night. <laughs> if you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you, if don't, you don't fuck, fuck with me... me. Then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, 
I'm gonna fucking kill you! Time for playing